Hello, you're listening to Flow, the podcast about menstruation, brought to you by Lilith's Talk. Welcome to yet another episode of Flow, the podcast about menstruation, based on Flow, the book about menstruation. I'm Pontiflani, one of the co-authors, and I'm so, so excited to have this conversation today. I think, you know, we've been going on in many episodes and in the book around that there's so many conversations about menstruation that we're not having. And I think this is one of the ones that I think we are not having enough. And it's about period menstruation in the workplace. You know, um, as someone who suffers from really bad uh, menstrual cramps and has complications related to my period, health complications related to my period, navigating a working environment uh, with my period pains and all the complications has been very difficult. Um, I have been in working environments that have been supportive, but I've also been in non-supportive work environments where it is considered, um, you are considered to be too much of uh, like you're being a baby or it's not, you're not taken seriously when you're asking for time off. So it is important that we have this conversation about menstruation in the workplace, our right as menstruators to safe and healthy working conditions meaning that we have adequate sanitary facilities and as well as um, we have a workplace that understands um, if it's possible the need for um, human resources to take into con- uh, to consideration period leave for those who may need it and to have this discussion i'm not the expert today uh, but to have this discussion we have the minister of menstruation candice chira who's also one of the authors of Flow, the book about menstruation. We also have Karen James, another author, and uh, Carol uh, Fourie. We also have Claire Fourie, who is uh, who is a contributor and she's a psychologist who will be telling us about the mental impact that periods may have on our ability to work. And lastly, the most important guest for today's episode is Althea Vikram, who's going to be telling us about what what are our rights when we're thinking about um, human resources, when you're thinking about our workers' rights, what are our rights in the work environment? And to kick us off, I just want to bring in Candice, who, when she was doing her uh, master's degree, she focused on menstrual justice and period positivity, and particularly looked at how and what are the conditions of menstruating in the workplace. Candice, what did you find when you were doing uh, your research and what are some of the conclusions that you reached in your in your in your in your thesis uh, conclusions yeah so um when I was doing my master's I think what I I realized was that my first assumption was just to focus on school girls because that's usually what most of the statistics and information looks at um but then I, I think something prompted me because I was in that time I was in an environment where you know I was at a university and and I was like well you know I wonder what it would be like being an employer employee you know having to constantly do nine to five and you have to handle your menstruation and you know from an academic point of view they did say that menstruation in the workplace is under researched because there are not a lot of studies that look at like the impact psychologically and physically that it has on on menstruators but one um sort of a corporation did a study on women in factories in india to see the impact that they that periods have on them and it turned out that you know women were sort of 
either taking birth control pills to have a lighter flow so that they wouldn't have to frequent the bathroom as often because they didn't have access to to pads or they would be using unhygienic materials such as the 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 cloth that they were working with in the factory to wrap it around their underwear so that they could just go about their day because it turned out that the the, the policy at the factory is that if you do take off leave other than sick leave or like like specific period leave then um you're not going to get paid um and and what i found very interesting is that certain corporations um would also deduct your pay like on a certain amount of pay depending on how many times you frequent to the bathroom so for me it was like being someone who has a heavy flow i was just so worried at that you know i every time i'd go to the bathroom to change or you know just deal with the heaviness of my period some employers just deducting pay over something that I have no control over. And that, that just, it just, it it was, it was crazy. It was really crazy. So I had to include it in my research. I think my supervisor was like, why are you including them? I'm like, well, I think it's important to note, you know, obviously there's limitations because not a lot of studies have been provided, but I do think it is, it is important that we put that pressure on employers to say, look, if you have a workforce that is majority menstruators, you have to have some form of like obligation and ensuring, um, you know, safe and adequate um, workplace conditions in terms of like uh, infrastructure and also just the access to these products. But it goes deeper than that. It also means the environment, the culture. Um, are employees educated enough about what periods are and the hormonal fluctuations that menstruators go through and, and non, non-menstruators, are they able to not be sort of like rude during that time of the month? Are they able to realize that, hey, okay, um, she's probably or they are probably menstruating. Maybe I shouldn't say that random PMS joke to be insensitive. So I think, yeah, periods in the workplace is something that is inclusive and it's not just about the access to products. It really is about implementing a policy that works. And I can understand how companies in particular would have an issue of like, okay, but if we're giving you paid leave on your period, do you not think it'll be used as an excuse for everyone? No, I think more than anything, this pandemic has proven that we are able to work from home and we should have the ability to treat ourselves during those times when our cramps are too intense, when our flow is just, uh, you, you know, very inhibiting to our, our fatigue. Like, yeah. Give, give us the time to just rest and still be able to work at the same time. Yeah. No, I mean, Candice, what you're saying is so important around, it's not just about the fact that there's no access to period products for particularly people who are employed in, in the informal economy or who work what we call working class jobs that, are, that don't pay well and they're not considered, even though they're so critical, as, you, you, as, as we've seen during the pandemic, that essential services are a lot of the jobs that we demean, that don't have benefits and everything, even, but it's important there. But I think another point that you raise is around period shaming, which I don't know, you know, for me, I have, until about four years ago, I would hide a, a pad, I would hide, I would conceal my period, I'll conceal a tampon, and I would act as if everything's fine, even when it's not, because I knew, even if I didn't know, I was not conscious of it, but there is period shaming in the work environment, as well as period leave, you know, there are very a few countries in the world that uh, have menstrual leave policies, uh, countries like Japan, Taiwan, Zambia, Mexico, South Korea, and Indonesia. But I would like to know, particularly in the context of South Africa, uh, Althea, you know, as an HR expert, 
what uh how what are the ways in which we can get rid of period shaming where you know sexist jokes such as oh why are you are you angry today in the meeting because you're on your period or these cliche jokes that we hear or if uh, a person who menstruates has a pad out or says it it's considered to be inappropriate as well as period leave and how organizations can go about having menstrual policies and period uh, leave policies in place what are some of the limitations or what is the environment looking like particularly in South Africa for that so the the basic conditions of employment is silent on um, menstruation right so it's it's up to employees and the workforce to um, develop this but I think we're in a space of such great opportunity now to make this happen particularly in a post-COVID world, or it's not, not even a post-COVID world, it's mm-hmm. in, the, in the thick of it. But um, if you look at how organizations have successfully adopted flexible work models over the last year and a half, almost forced into it, having to support families, taking care of parents or kids, we have been having the conversation with employees saying, okay, which hours work out for you? Are mornings good? Are evenings good? And people have been thriving productively throughout these periods. Um, so the introduction of, um, I, I even think that the introduction of a maternity leave policy may become a meet point in the future when we can just start talking about flexible work time. Mm. Um, I think this is a wonderful opportunity for us. Um, again, why I believe that a maternity leave policy may be a mute point so many organizations, particularly tech organizations, American multinationals, are um, introducing um, unlimited paid time off, um, which is open to all genders. Um, and in there could fall the day in which you need to be at home or you just need the time off um, to take care of your menstruation. So I think it's going to accelerate um, this conversation within the workplace. It's going to be a lot more openness for, um, for employers to adapt it, for employees to start talking about this. Um, so I'm optimistic about what the next um, um, few months may, may, may hold in this adoption. Yeah, and I think, you know, as, you, as you're speaking around representation, I think it's, it's very hard for us not to talk about gender roles and gender rather not roles and also about the fact that who is in management positions and do you think that the fact that we have more non-menstruators in decision-making spaces within work environments also impacts the ways in which the workplace can become a more menstruation friendly or understanding uh, place when it comes to periods and the fact that some people have discomfort, some people have mental, also mental um, struggles during their period uh, in, in many cases. And especially if we're trying to destigmatize it with so many men or so many masculine people, and even in many cases, feminine presenting people being in decision making places. But again, the culprit here being the patriarchy. How do you think in the introduction of more gen- gender sensitivity training, we could create an enabling environment for menstrual leave and um, menstrual friendly policies in the workplace? Yeah. 
So HR professionals are largely women, right? Um, here we are. Um, and I've looked at myself in the last organizations that I've worked for in, in senior roles, where I've had the opportunity to implement change. And I haven't. And I've looked at myself in reflection, um, thinking of the barrier that I've been, right? Um, not implementing simple changes like making sure that tampons are available, right? Or in my last job, I have made sure that menstrual products are, are available, but there was no promotion of it. There was still a barrier that I put in place in terms of saying, you have to go to a first aider or the office manager or to myself. That's not a nice barrier. And I realized that um, it needs to go beyond just um, a female worker making it accessible, um, sorry, available, we need to make it accessible. So I've had to implement small changes over the last months to actually say it's available in the toilets, right? Um, open up this, this drawer. Um, help me catch on to the rest of the question. There. No, and, and, and so it's, it's, it's this idea of creating this enabling environment. Yeah. What, on that note that you have now learned from your past experiences and you're trying to create an environment that is more menstrual uh, menstruation friendly, how has been the reception in your work environment currently around uh, making these pads or these period products available for everyone? Have you gotten some feedback and what, the, what has the feedback been like? Yeah, it's what this does is creating an environment of trust right, and a level of care um, that uh, perhaps the employer wasn't signaling before. Um, another beautiful intervention that we, we, we put in place in my current um, workplace is just a simple time-out room, right? And the intention of this time-out room was, um, was first for, for a woman who may be having... Um, a bit of a tough mental day and just needs a time out in the back of her period. She can go to an isolated room, be on a comfortable couch, read a book, um, create that, that safe space. But an unintentional consequence there around, around the inclusivity of it is it's also now become a, a prayer room for our Muslim staff um, who need to do their morning or their afternoon prayers. Um, so there's so many beautiful unintended consequences in creating these um, open spaces that, that we've experienced. That's so great. And I hope if you're an employer or you're in a position of power where you can change the working environment and, and hearing what Alfie is saying around the fact that employees were happier and they understand that their employer cares in this environment. And Claire, I think this is also where I want to bring you in when menstruation also comes with a lot of mental health issues and and how how are they impacted by being in a working environment and how how could that also be not so beneficial to someone who's trying to be productive at work I know like the first two days of my period sometimes like this week I was on my period this was one of my least productive weeks in a long time because honestly and I must say, even though I I wrote uh, this book, I believe in menstrual justice. I didn't tell the people I work with that, guys, I'm having a slow week. I, I'm on my period. I'm not feeling well. So how do we have that conversation? Uh, and how do we also empower ourselves to, to really speak out, particularly around 
our our frustrations or the problems that our period may cause us. Hmm. Yeah, I, I want to just link this to what Althea said, and I, I love that environment that's being created. And you know, you spoke about trust and people feeling safe, and I think that's just so incredibly empowering for for staff to feel. And I just absolutely love that. Um, but yes, people are affected so differently by menstruating and it's it's not always when you are menstruating it's sometimes the week before like I know I get a really bad headache the week before I start my period you know there's so many things going on and you know we've been speaking around mental gymnastics and you know I just think that that's such an appropriate phrase for it because it is like that there's so many things going on in your brain when you're going through menstruation because it's all these hormonal fluctuations and then there's these mood changes there's anxiety that goes with it um you know and it's sort of a lot of anxiety around you know am I going to be able to change my padding time change my tampon in time is my tampon going to leak um you know there's so many things around that and you know what are people going to say as we've been talking because there is this um you know kind of perception that you must just suck it up and carry on like no one cares that you're having these these cramps so I think it's so important that we do talk about these things and that we do have a supportive environment. And, and I think, you know, we need to be the catalysts for this. We need to have those conversations and we all need to start doing that. Um, there's also, you know, like you were saying, Ponto, about concentration and maintaining focus when you're on your period. It's really hard. And, you know, the more conversations we're having, the more I'm realizing that this actually affects a lot more people than I even realize, because I know I'm also you know, less productive during that time. So it, it really is something that we need to to think about and we need to just acknowledge and be okay with ourselves because, you know, in, in those moments, I think we're putting extra pressure on ourselves to push through and be like, okay, I need to get this done. I need to get it done. There's this, you know, this, this pressure from the workplace and then from ourselves as well because mm. we're not being kind to ourselves. Um. Yeah, so it's just all of those mental gymnastics that's going on all the time and, you know, gender sensitivity, like we've been talking about as well, where it's just like, you know, she's just PMSing or, you know, just go get a tampon and sort yourself out. And those kinds of phrases and, and things really need to stop because they're just, they're not okay. And they just kind of feed into this this injustice that's happening. This is so true. You know, you talk about just the mental gymnastics. I And I'm thinking about when we could still go into offices <laughs> and I'd be on my period and I've had to stand up. And uh, in my last employment, there were, there were more uh, people who menstruated than in others. And so when I still worked in a very male-dominated industry, getting up in my blue overalls, it would just, I'd take a gasp as I got up. Mm. And every menstruator knows this, where the first, like, as you get up, or if you sneeze, or if you laugh too loud, if you just do anything, and and just that occupies you instead of what you're there to do, which is your work, you know. And Karen, Mm. you work in an environment that is incredibly time-consuming. You spend hours on set, uh, sitting sometimes, how do you navigate your very demanding, and I would say physically and mentally demanding work environment, um, shooting for hours on end on a day while being, while bleeding? It's, it can't yeah. be easy. Um, 
It isn't easy, but I think that in a sense, what, what my industry has that I think a lot of industries don't is ultimately working, working in film and television, um, you know, also in theater, but uh, our job is people, our job is understanding people. And we have a whole lot of conversations while we're writing, while we're exploring characters, while we're on set, we're dealing with human beings, you know, that's what we're bringing to life. And so in general, uh, we end up having incredibly personal conversations all the time, you know, because somebody will be going, oh, I'm auditioning for the scene. Actually, this this reminds me of what happened when my own father died. And like suddenly now I'm talking to somebody I just met about, you know, when they lost their father as a child and how it impacted them. And so the space to to be open and and is there. It's still not always there. And it is still something that needs to improve. When I, you know, started at my last job, I had to kind of go very quickly. By the way, there's no bins in the bathrooms for um, for sanitary products because the person in charge was a man and it had not occurred to him. Um, so. And as soon as I pointed it out, you know, within seconds, it was it was done. But that is the, exactly that goes back to who is in charge and who is making these decisions. Um, and I think the other very interesting thing is, you know, where the where the film and te television industry is going, for example, one of the big things that's been introduced a lot over the last year or so is intimacy coordinators, um, is is making sure there are people on set in rehearsals all the time on set to be there uh, also in terms of um, sexual harassment. So we're making sure those people are there constantly to provide a safe space in all sorts of ways. And this is just part of it, you know, because can you imagine you're an actress now, you're, you're needing to, you know, maybe kiss and, and make out with another actor and you're on your period and you actually would rather not be touching anybody. I mean, there's a whole lot of layers to that, um, you know, and there's a whole lot of ways in which you have a schedule that is driving you and you've got to get the shots and it's about, you know, the lights, we're about to lose the lights. But at the same time, you're a human being and you have these needs and you have <laughs> um, you, you have your you have to embody yourself. And and I think it's something that the, the you know, the industry is really trying to grapple with and work with. And and we are, as I say, luckily, a very open industry. I absolutely am one to, you know, message my exec producer going, this is going to be a really crap day for me because I have the worst cramps. So you know, forgive me in advance if I'm short with you or if I'm, you know, don't talk much in the meeting. And that's that's the environment that that we're creating. But, you know, again, that's that's going back to some of your earlier points about, you know, people on the factory floor. That's certainly not always their experience. And um, I think, yeah, the more we're able to make these shifts and, and somehow eventually get them on those basic conditions of employment that Althea was talking about, you know, that not leave it up to individuals um you know that mm. would be the ideal and to create it as a, an environmental or in, in, in as an institutional uh yeah. institutional culture which is so important and I, I would like to just uh piggyback on your 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 sentiments there for Althea around what how do you think we can you know you've already mentioned something like providing pads but in what ways can we also create an enabling environment for periods? And particularly looking at, you know, South Africa has quite a, a, a great, um, like policies for employee, employees in many instances. 
how can we uh, leverage on these great policies to ensure a more menstrual friendly environment? And I love what Karen said about um, having having that relationship with with her team to actually message and say, you're not going to expect a lot of productivity from me today, right? Um, it's that signaling from the top. It's that language being shifted from the top. And again, going back to barriers again that I've reflected on, that I've put in for my for myself personally and as HR, I don't think I've ever sent that SMS to, to any senior leader with, sure. within our organization, right? Um, I've pushed, spent the day working from the bed, um, and I wouldn't do that for a second day in a row. I'd never give myself that privilege. Um, so I really think that signaling um, starts from the top and certainly something that I will start uh, driving, which... Mm-hmm. I mean, you can then think how far we are from implementing this from a basic conditions of employment act, right? Even though over the last few years, we've had some incredible wins with the introduction of adoption leave, um, parental leave, um, within the workplace, it, it, we, we, we need to string this back to what employers and what, what um, heads of HR are doing. Yeah, no, that's 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 quite important. Candice, again, your area of interest, this is a place that you you wrote about in the book as well. You kind of gave us uh, a little bit of uh, how to make environments more period friendly. Can you give us your top three tips uh, for someone who's listening, who wants who's not necessarily even in, in management or a higher up where they can make decisions? But what can we just as a simple employee in a work environment, what can we do? What are the three things that we can do to ensure that we make our environments more period friendly and more um, accessible and stigma free? Yeah, I, I remember when I was writing that chapter, I was actually menstruating and a very intense booty cramp came through. And I was mm. like, there's no way you can work with a booty cramp. Like, it's just <laughs> it's not possible. <laughs> it's like, I was just like, hold on. And I just added that in that in, in, in there. But I think more than anything, it's it's about, you know, if you're if you're in a corporate space and you've noticed that there's condoms in your in your bathroom then I think start that initiative on your own to say, well, I'll just create a little box and put pads, tampons, you know, um, hygiene wipes if, if needed. I think it's also about having that access to medicine as well. I, I know for a fact that like medicine is so, it's just, it's not spoken enough and we, we are expected to be in the office to work and present, but we need the access to the medication so that I can at least, can we we can at least be present, you know. So having a um um what are these machines called? A vending machine, you know, not only just providing uh drinks and and and, and junk food, but mm-hmm. medicine as well, you know, and, and maybe having that money go to um organizations or going back to um menstruators who actually need part product as well. But I think um besides that, um if you are if you are in HR, it's also just also <sighs> Being open, I think. So, like, not hiding the product in your blazer or your pocket. Like, just come out and just take your product and, like, I'm walking in pad first or tampon first and show it, you know. Just de- demystify that whole 
secrecy thing in in the office and it starts with you really so yeah i i think i think i do go extensively within the book and i don't want to have any spoilers but i i genuinely think that if you if you know that your office doesn't have the access to the products create a little box and put those products create access to to the to the medicine and then just simply ask the employer like hey have you noticed that half of your workforce are menstruators why are we not prioritizing that um just simply in a conversation, it's it's easy. Even in just in a question, just to say, you know, um, in general, periods are viewed this way. What do you think as an as an organization we can do to change that narrative, not only for our workforce, but for, for greater society? It's all on you, really. Yeah. Yeah. Be the change you want to see in the world. And Amandala. <laughs> Amandala, you know. And and I think it's quite important. I remember in a previous uh, work environment, uh we were all menstruators in our team, and but we worked in our small team, but we worked in a larger newsroom where people, it was mixed, obviously. And we started, we just like, I was starting to report on menstruation a bit more and concentrating on it. And so we started a little box of female condoms, or in, uh, external condoms rather, internal condoms, as well as like period products. And we put it there with a little note in the bathroom. And so many people came up to us and they're like, oh, thank you for doing this. But there were also worries about, and I've heard people say this when I've shared this story in other platforms, saying that, oh, no, if we do this, it's going to be a cost to the company or people are just going to steal these supplies. And just like, trust people. If someone is taking 10 period uh, tampons or pads, it's because they need it. No one is going to steal period, uh, period products because it's fun unless there's other issues, underlying issues there. But I just want to come back to the idea of mental health and, and, and how our mental health is intricately linked to a period. And also the mental, our mental health is intricately linked to how happy we are at work. And the importance, uh, Claire, of employ, uh, employ, employers creating a happy environment because I guess we live in a capitalist system and we have to think about at the end of the day, um, organizations want a, a bang for their buck, you know. And so is it when you have less anxious employees, when you have happy employees, like Althea has already said, who uh, feel taken care of, does that boost production? And do you have absolutely. a more productive workforce? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we just reflect on ourselves and just think, you know, if, if I had that if we want to call it the mental health day or period leave day, just to have that time to kind of decompress and, you know, just veg and watch TV for the day instead of pushing ourselves through it. Just imagine how much more productive after that will be because we won't be so tired and drained and, you know, recovering from all that anxiety and low moods. So I 100% think that we'd have a way more productive office, workforce, whatever you want to call it, you know, by being a little bit more respectful, a little bit more understanding and, and having a lot of that empathy, you know, around it. So I really think it would make a huge dis- uh, difference. And then, you know, also just recognizing the the anxiety, the mood changes, you know, and, and as Karen was saying, you know, forgive me if I'm being short with you. And I was just like, you know what, that happens to me. Like when I'm menstruating, I, I can be short with people and they might misinterpret that. So, you know, it's really just about understanding. Um, and then I'm, I've also been thinking as we've been talking, you know, something we haven't touched on is is transgender people in the workplace and yeah. and how this this is for them, because, you know, that's like a whole added layer on top of the anxiety, you know, that cisgendered people 
are experiencing. So, you know, I just wanted to kind of bring that to the fore as well and just for people to be aware and to think around that as well. Incredible. Very, very true, particularly when we think about even just the stereotypes around, uh, oh, you're PMSing, that's why you're short today or whatever, and how the gendered aspect or thinking about menstruation in the workplace as a, or anywhere actually as a gendered issue, as a gendered process, as a gendered biological process actually is discriminating in, in many mm. ways. And, and, and we need to stop doing that. And Althea, I want to ask for my, I'm the kind of person who, you know, I, I don't like, com- I don't like confrontation a lot, but I do feel like sometimes in work environments, I've gone to HR to ask HR to facilitate difficult conversations that I've felt. And what are, for instance, if someone says to me, oh, what are you, are you in your period or something? Is that grounds for a sexual harassment or sexism charge or uh, 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 not even if I'm not charging, but to open up a dialogue with that person so that in terms of when uh, our work environment (laughs) is not period friendly, that we can use that an opportunity through, again, what you were saying earlier around integrating periods into our work and labor policies and laws. Could that be uh, something that we explore where we say we take it as a gender issue that needs to be addressed at an HR level in order to sensitize and destigmatize menstruation? Yeah, it's a great point um, for us to highlight when we start talking about our grievance policies, right? Grievance policies typically have a page where they describe what could be a grievance in the workplace. So someone swearing at you, someone throwing a stapler at you, or your manager talking mean to you. We could and we should then be adding a line saying, um, um, are you having a bad day because you're on your period, right? This is, the, the, this is an aggression that someone's putting to you in the workplace. And over time, um, this is certainly a case for harassment. So what a beautiful thing for us to flag um, in our uh, grievance policies and to start bringing that menstrual um, language and sensitivity into formal policy. Yeah, no, I think so. And Karen, you earlier on, you talked about intimacy practitioners. Please, intimacy oh my gosh. Coordinators. Yeah. Coordinators. I want to be an intimacy coordinator. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, there's been huge discussions. I'm also part of an organization, uh, Sisters Working in Film and Television. Um, there's been a lot of discussions and research done into all kinds of uh, gender related, everything from harassment to um, discrimination to again, the expectations that are put on people in our industry to whether it's about doing a sex scene, but also an emotional intimacy. You know, some people might find it really challenging to have to do a scene um, where they're they're meant to be really intimately close with somebody that they don't know. They don't know them like that. They don't, you know, and yes, they're actors and that's their job, but there's still a lot that can be done to make that environment safer and kinder and gentler. Um, everything from who is allowed on set to how we're having these conversations to mm. uh, but I think the main one and, and I think it's it's something that other industries should try and learn from you know is the main one is is really explicitly getting people from the beginning to try and articulate their boundaries and their needs 
you know, to articulate a boundary that says this is this is what's okay for me, this isn't, and a need which says if I'm going to be doing this, then I need time off the next day to to recover or you know what are and those can vary from from person to person. Mm. And and I think what's really interesting, and I wanted to 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 bring it up as well when you're even talking about you know you're talking about people taking too many products, but I think you know, again, working with all of this, these issues on, on set and, and in our industry is, I, I think it's really important to say that, that women and LGBT plus people are not here to take advantage of any policies that, uh, you know, that allow for us to be human. And that includes our menstruation, you know, yep. that we all know that there's, there's an added pressure to perform at work as, as anybody who's different, whether you're a woman, whether you're LGBT plus, there's an added pressure on you. You are going to do your utmost to, to do your job to the best of your ability and prove that you deserve to be there. And so people are not going to be abusing period leave. They're not going to be abusing this. They're not going to be going, oh, cool, I'll take an extra day because I can. <laughs> ha ha, screw you. You know, I, I think it's really clear that people want to be doing the job. People want to be excelling. Um, and the, the, the fear of that stigma, the fear of being difficult, you know, that's always one of the things, isn't it, right? You're being so difficult, you're being so needy. Um, no, we're, we're just kind of, we're being human and we're currently bleeding from a part of our body and, and having these muscle cramps and hormones and it's a bit irritating and annoying and we'd like you to acknowledge that, you know, and I think that's just, yeah, there's, there's so much to be done to acknowledge our humanity and I think that's that's what intimacy coordinators are doing on set and that's what we all need to be doing in the workplace is we're human beings first and foremost. I love that. I love that and I think that's a great note to end this on. Remember, you can grab a copy of Flow at any bookstore. We have a chapter on workplace or in the workplace where Candice and Althea really delve into these issues and how we can deal with them. But I think uh, we've heard from all our guests ways in which we can improve the environment volunteer to be an intimacy coordinator in your office invite people have a period a workshop where you're explaining to non-menstruators in the environment it could help them invite us to come host a workshop in your office because we'll probably come with our copies of flow and 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 and, and work towards changing these environments but i think one thing is uh, is quite clear from this that a lot of more work needs to be done if you're in a position of power where you can make a change uh, introduce a period leave policy go tell your hr about it think about it start Start, um, start those conversations in your work environment and this is the only way that we can see this work being done and we can see a more work friendly environment, a more menstrual friendly work environment. And with that, catch you on the next episode and thank you to Karen, Candice, Claire and Althea for sharing their very, very welcome insights. Goodbye. Flow, the book about menstruation, is published by Quela and is available in all good bookstores. This podcast was brought to you by Lilith's Talk, empowering conversations for all life's periods. Join the community now at lilithstalk.co.za.